Book One, Chapter Five of the World's Desire. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Rick Vina. The World's Desire by H. Ryder Haggard. Book One, Chapter Five. Meriamun the Queen. Strange news flies fast. It was not long before the Pharaoh, who then was with his court in Tanis, the newly rebuilded city, heard how there had come to Kem a man like a god, wearing golden armor, and cruising alone in a ship of the dead. In these years the white barbarians of the sea and of the isles were wont to land in Egypt, to ravage the fields, carry women captive, and fly again in their ships. But not one of them had dared to sail in the armor of the Aquayusha, as the Egyptians named the Achaeans, right up the river to the city of Pharaoh. The king, therefore, was amazed at the story, and when he heard that the stranger had taken sanctuary in the temple of Heracles, he sent instantly for his chief counsellor. This was his master builder, who bore a high title in the land, an ancient priest named Ray. He had served through the long reign of the king's father, the divine Ramses the second, and he was beloved both of Meneptah and of Meriamun his queen. Him the king charged to visit the sanctuary and bring the stranger before him. So Ray called for his mule and rode down to the temple of Heracles beyond the walls. When Ray came thither, a priest went before him and led him to the chamber where the warrior chanced to be eating the lily bread of the land and drinking the wine of the delta. He rose as Ray entered, and he was still clad in his golden armor, for as yet he had not any change of raiment. Beside him, on a bronze tripod, lay his helmet, the Achaean helmet, with its two horns, and with the bronze spear-point still fast in the gold. The eyes of Ray the priest fell on the helmet, and he gazed so strangely at it that he scarcely heard the wanderer's salutation. At length he answered, courteously, but always his eyes wandered back to the broken spear-point. Is this thine, my son? he asked, taking it in his hand, while his voice trembled. It is my own, said the wanderer, though the spear-point in it was lent me of late, in return for arrows, not a few, and certain sword-strokes. And he smiled. 
the ancient priest bade the temple servants retire, and as they went they heard him murmuring a prayer. The dead spoke truth, he muttered, still gazing from the helmet in his hand to the wanderer. Ay, the dead speak seldom, but they never lie. My son, thou hast eaten and drunk, then said Ray the priest and master builder, and may an old man ask whence thou camest, where is thy native city, and who are thy parents? I come from Alabas, answered the wanderer, for his own name was too widely known, and he loved an artful tale. I come from Alabas, I am the son of Aphidus, son of Polypemon, and my own name is Eperitus. And wherefore comest thou here, alone in a ship of dead men, and with more treasure than a king's ransom? It was men of Sidon who labored and died for all that cargo, said the wanderer. They voyaged far for it, and toiled hard, but they lost it in an hour, for they were not content with what they had, but made me a prisoner as I lay asleep on the coast of Crete. But the gods gave me the upper hand of them, and I bring their captain, and much white metal, and many swords, and cups, and beautiful woven stuffs, as a gift to your king. And for thy courtesy, come with me, and choose a gift for thyself. Then he led the old man to the treasure chambers of the temple, which was rich in the offerings of many travellers, gold and turquoise and frankincense from Sinai and Punt, great horns of carved ivory from the unknown east and south, bowls and baths of silver from the Kita, who are the allies of Egypt. But amidst all the wealth, the stranger's cargo made a goodly show, and the old priest's eyes glittered as he looked at it. Take thy choice, I pray thee, said the wanderer. The spoils of foemen are the share of friends. The priest would have refused, but the wanderer saw that he looked ever at a bowl of transparent amber from the far-off northern seas that was embossed with curious figures of men and gods and huge fishes such as are unknown in the midland waters. The wanderer put it into the hands of Ray. Thou shalt keep this, he said, and pledge me in wine from it when I am gone, in memory of a friend and a guest. Ray took the bowl and thanked him, holding it up to the light to admire the golden color. We are always children, he said, smiling gravely. See an old child whom thou hast made happy with a toy. But we are men, too, soon again. The king bids thee come with me before him. And, my son, if thou wouldst please me more than by any gift, 
I pray thee, pluck that spearhead from thy helmet before thou comest into the presence of the queen. Pardon me, said the wanderer. I would not harm my helmet by tearing it roughly out, and I have no smith's tools here. The spear point, my father, is a witness to the truth of my tale, and for one day more or two I must wear it. Ray sighed, bowed his head, folded his hands, and prayed to his god Amen, saying, O Amen, in whose hand is the end of a matter, lighten the burden of these sorrows, and let the vision be easy of accomplishment. And I pray thee, O Amen, let thy hand be light on thy daughter, Miriamun, the Lady of Kim. Then the old man led the wanderer out, and bade the priests make ready a chariot for him, and so they went through Tanis to the court of Menepta. Behind them followed the priests, carrying gifts that the wanderer had chosen from the treasures of the Sidonians, and the miserable captain of the Sidonians was dragged along after them, bound to the hinder part of a chariot. Through the gazing crowd they all passed on to the hall of audience, where, between the great pillars, sat Pharaoh on his golden throne. Beside him, at his right hand, was Meriamun, the beautiful queen, who looked at the priests with weary eyes, as if at a matter in which she had no concern. They came in, and beat the earth with their brows before the king. First came the officers, leading the captain of the Sidonians for a gift to Pharaoh, and the king smiled graciously, and accepted the slave. Then came others, bearing the cups of gold, fashioned like the heads of lions and rams, and the swords, with pictures of wars and huntings, echoed on their blades in many-colored gold, and the necklets of amber from the north, which the wanderer had chosen as gifts for Pharaoh's queen and Pharaoh. He had silks, too, embroidered in gold, and needlework of Sidonian women, and all these the queen, Meriamun, touched to show her acceptance of them, and smiled graciously and wearily. But the covetous Sidonian groaned when he saw his wealth departing from him, the gains for which he had hazarded his life in unsailed seas. Lastly, Pharaoh bade them lead the wanderer in before his presence, and he came unhelmeted, in all his splendor, the goodliest man that had ever been seen in Kem. He was of no great height, but very great of girth, and of strength unmatched, and with the face of one who had seen what few have seen and lived. The beauty of youth was gone from him, but his face had the comeliness of a warrior 
tried on sea and land the eyes were of a valor invincible and no woman could see him but she longed to be his love as he entered murmurs of amazement passed over all the company and all eyes were fixed on him save only the weary and wandering eyes of the listless Miriamun. But when she chanced to lift her face and gaze on him, they who watch the looks of kings and queens saw her turn gray as the dead and clutch with her hand at her side. Pharaoh himself saw this, though he was not quick to mark what passed, and he asked her if anything ailed her but she answered nay only methinks the air is sick with heat and perfume greet thou this stranger but beneath her robe her fingers were fretting all the while at the golden fringes of her throne welcome thou wanderer cried pharaoh in a deep and heavy voice welcome by what name art thou named and where dwell thy people and what is thy native land bowing low before pharaoh the wanderer answered with a feigned tale that his name was eperitus of alibas the son of aphetus the rest of the story and how he had been taken by the sidonians and how he had smitten them on the seas he told as he had told it to ray and he displayed his helmet with the spear-point fast in it but when she saw this meriamun rose to her feet as if she would be gone and then fell back into her seat even paler than before the queen help the queen she faints cried ray the priest whose eyes had never left her face one of her ladies a beautiful woman ran to her knelt before her and chafed her hands till she came to herself and sat up with angry eyes let be she said and let the slave who tends the incense be beaten on the feet nay i will remain here I will not to my chamber, let be, and her lady drew back afraid. Then Pharaoh bade men lead the Sidonian out, and slay him in the market-place for his treachery. But the man, whose name was Kuri, threw himself at the feet of the wanderer, praying for his life. The wanderer was merciful, when the rage of battle was over, and his blood was cool. A boon, O Pharaoh Menepta, he cried. Spare me this man. He saved my own life when the crew would have cast me overboard. Let me pay my debt. Let him be spared, as thou wilt have it so, spoke Pharaoh. But revenge dogs the feet of foolish mercy and many debts are paid ere all is done thus it chanced that curry was given 
to Meriamun to be her jeweller and to work for her in gold and silver. To the wanderer was allotted a chamber in the royal palace, for the pharaoh trusted that he would be a leader of his guard, and took great pleasure in his beauty and his strength. As he left the hall of audience with Ray, the queen Meriamun lifted her eyes again and looked on him long, and her ivory face flushed rosy, like the ivory that the Sidonians dye red for the trappings of the horses of kings. But the wanderer marked both the sudden fear and the blush of Meriamun, and, beautiful as she was, he liked it ill, and his heart foreboded evil. When he was alone with Ray, therefore, he spoke to him of this, and prayed the old man to tell him, if he could guess at all, the meaning of the queen. For to me, he said, it was as if the lady knew my face, and even as if she feared it, but I never saw her like in all my wanderings. Beautiful she is, and yet but it is ill, speaking in their own land of kings and queens. At first, when the wanderer spoke thus, Ray put it by, smiling. But the wanderer, seeing that he was troubled, and remembering how he had prayed him to pluck the spear-point from his helmet, pressed him hard with questions. Thus, partly out of weariness, and partly for love of him, and also because a secret had long been burning in his heart, the old man took the wanderer into his own room in the palace, and there he told him all the story of Meriamun the Queen. End of Book One, Chapter Five